This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The 2-2 pitch and a curveball struck him out looking. A no-hitter for Jonathan Sanchez. And the Giants rings out onto the field to jump on the back of 26-year-old Jonathan Sanchez, who has become the first Giants pitcher in 33 years to pitch a no-hitter. Jonathan Sanchez threw the pitch, but it was framed on the outside corner by none other than Eli Whiteside, an unsung piece of the Giants' puzzle as they built a champion in San Francisco. He filled in the gaps between Benji Molina and Buster Posey. He was the catcher that day simply because Molina's wife went into labor. A few months later, he became Sanchez's personal catcher, solidifying a key role on a title-winning team. We go inside Eli Whiteside's Giant Moments now. now. This is Inside Giant Moments. Presented by T-Mobile, our franchise has countless memorable, iconic moments. Join Mark Willard as he connects with our former players who lived these moments to relive the emotions, the stories, and the joy. Eli Whiteside joins the Inside Giant Moments podcast. Eli, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. We're really looking forward to it. You got it, man. Yeah, I really love your story. Yeah, because, you know, you you ended up being a part of some huge moments in Giants history after a lot of years in the minor leagues. You were drafted in 01, and outside of a quick trip to the Orioles in 2005, it was 2009 before you make it up to the big club with the Giants. How did you make it through all that time? Uh, it was tough, uh, you know. Um, just just got to hang in there. Um like I said, I got up with uh, with Baltimore in 05 just for a short time. Javi Lopez went, went on the DL uh, for a couple of weeks. Um, was down in AAA in Ottawa and uh, got called up. Was up for a couple of weeks. Didn't really play that great while I was up. Um, kind of overwhelmed, I guess, at the time. Looking back on it, <clears throat> um, got sent back down. Got called back up in September, and then didn't sniff it again until '09 with with San Francisco. What kind um, of tools did you use? I mean, what are what are you feeling in some of the? I would imagine through that time there are there are some moments where you're questioning things. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, it's tough. You get a taste, and you get to see what it's like, you know, and then um, and then you're kind of brought back to reality after you don't. You know, you don't play so well, get sent back down, and you're back to where, you know, kind of back to where you started, and you just got to, I mean, it's a grind. Uh, it's a grind after that. Um, I mean, they always say it's easy to get there. It's hard to stay, and uh, and I realized that. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it was tough. It was tough to, stick, to hang in there. I had to go back down to double-A, uh, I think, maybe a year or two after that, um, just – 
just numbers wise, you know. Um, and that's kind of a kind of a shot to the ego a little bit, I guess. But um, at the same time, if, that, if, if that's what you want to do, you, I mean, you got to grind it out and just and just hang in there. <clears throat> so were were there days where you uh, you had thoughts or, or conversations uh, and questions about what? Uh, how this was going to play out and what you were going to do next? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, especially after I got released. And um, let's see, I'd signed with, uh, I signed with Minnesota in 2007, I guess, after I was a six-year free agent. Um, signed, with Minnesota, signed with the Twins and uh, went to camp, big league camp with them. Went to Rochester AAA for the first month. Had a terrible first month of the season. They had signed a uh, Ryan Jorgensen, who was a guy that had had some big league time uh, the year before, and he was coming off an injury. So when he got healthy, um, they sent him to AAA, and I was I was released. So I'm sitting in Rochester, New York, you know, not really knowing what what to do or what my next option was, um, and. I mean, they always say, you know, if you play long enough, you're eventually going to get released. And uh, that happened to be my time. And, you know, like I said, I didn't really know where to turn after that until, I mean, I was sitting in my, I was sitting in my apartment in Rochester for a couple of days. And that's when, uh, that's when Bobby Evans called me. Yeah. How did you find out about the Giants interest? So you're, you're sitting there thinking, okay, that, that, that might be it. And then uh, and the, and the phone rings. How does how'd that go? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of a uh, a new lease on life, I guess, as you could could think about it. Um, I mean, I obviously wanted to continue playing. I was I don't know how old it was twenty twenty six maybe twenty six twenty seven. Um, can still wanted to play, and um, that was my. That was my first option. Uh, I don't know if there'd been more options after that, but Bobby called, um, got my stuff together, and got on a flight to uh, to Arizona. Flew down to Arizona for a couple of days, and then I went to Fresno, and that's where my that's kind of where my Giants tenure started. What did Bobby say to you? What 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 had their interest peaked? To be honest with you, I don't really remember the conversation. Um, I was—I don't know that I heard anything else other than this is Bobby Evans from the Giants. And I thought, you know, this is an opportunity. And I, I was going to say yes to whatever he said. So uh, at the time, that was that was that was where I was at, you know, and uh, and and it, it worked out. So I'm thankful for that. So as you said, you end up in Fresno, and it's at that point that you really start getting consistent at bats and consistent time there. So how how did that change things as far as the arc of your career? Oh well, I, I think looking back on it, I I told myself when I guess when I was when I was in the big leagues with Baltimore that you know that short time in '05, I didn't really you know I can I can I made my debut in, in Yankee Stadium. Um, July, I think it was July 3rd, 2005. I mean, there's 55,000 people in old Yankee stadium and I'm there and they're, I get thrown in the game. We're, we're down, I don't know, nine to one or something in the sixth or seventh inning. And, 
I get thrown in there behind the plate. And uh, I think A-Rod, Jeter, and maybe Gary Sheffield came up to the plate. And I'm sitting there thinking, what what in the world, what, what am I doing sitting here behind the plate in Yankee Stadium? I'm from a small town in Mississippi, you know. And uh, I just felt like I didn't belong, you know. And I told myself, you know, after I'd gotten released and, and everything and, and signed back with or signed with the Giants and started playing again, and, you know, if I ever make it back, I'm going to know that, that I belong and I put as much, you know, work in as all these other guys have and I belong and, and, uh, and that's going to be my approach and that's the way I'm going to go about it. So I think that was one thing that kind of triggered something in my mind to say, you know, I belong and, and you know, I should be, I should be in the big leagues. Maybe there was a reason that those were the guys that, that came to the plate when you, you first took the squat behind the plate. I mean, that's got to be a breathtaking moment. Jeter and A-Rod and those guys walking up right next to you. Yeah, Jeter, A-Rod, all those guys. And then my first at-bat was off Randy Johnson. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> so it was, uh, I mean, it was kind of a, a crazy, a crazy, you know, 10 minutes there. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in old Yankee Stadium, so uh, it was uh, it was crazy, but you know, um, learned a lesson, and uh, you know, just just always go back to that, go back to that moment, thinking you know that I didn't belong, and and uh, kind of telling myself, you know, if I ever make it back, then then I'll I'll believe in myself enough to know that I, I do belong there. How did the bat go against Randy Johnson? Uh, it was three. Uh, Let's see, three pitches, I think. First pitch, first pitch was a, it was a spinning slider right down the middle, which I should have pulled the trigger on, because that was the best pitch I got to see to hit. Uh, next pitch was a uh, heater in, fouled it off, and the next pitch was a heater in, and I grounded into a double play. I hit a hit a one hopper to to a rod at, at at third, and uh, he threw the second on the first and, and doubled me up, but. Uh, Put the ball in play my first at bat. There you go. Yeah, he didn't strike you out. That's something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the other great things about your story, and you're sort of alluding to it already right there, but even with the Giants, the, the big names that, that weave their way into your story, you got your chance with the Giants in part because of an elbow injury to Pablo Sandoval. So he suddenly can't back up Benji Molina. The Giants give you the call. What do you remember from that day? Um, let's see. Where were we? Uh, well, I can't really remember where we were uh, at the time. Obviously, I was playing in Fresno. Um, oh, the, the one thing I do remember about that day was uh, I think the team was in Seattle. Um, I think it was the last – it was a Sunday, Sunday day game, and it was the last – Last game before I think they went back home. So um, I got up there that morning up to Seattle. I was in the cab from the hotel or from the airport, went straight to the ballpark. I think I got to the ballpark at, I don't know, the game was at one. I got there maybe 1130. Hmm. So I had enough time to sit down with uh, Z. Z was pitching that day, Z was pitching. So I got I got time to sit down with uh, with Z and Rags to kind of go over the hitters a little bit. But the first thing I remember walking into the clubhouse, which I'd been I'd been in that clubhouse before with uh, with Baltimore, but but walking into the clubhouse, 
I turned around and, and Murph was the first person I saw and he showed me my he showed me to my locker and the, the jersey hanging in the locker was number twenty two. And obviously Will Clark's number, Mike Matheny's number, but but Will Clark, um, he was my favorite he was my favorite player growing up. So being in a Giants uniform wearing number twenty two, um, that was uh you know, I kind of got chills when I walked in the clubhouse and saw my name on with number 22 on the back of it. Um, you know, Will being a, a Mississippi State, you know, great, and uh, watching him play and, and being a Giants fan growing up, watching him and Kevin Mitchell and, and Matt Williams and all those guys play, and then me walking in the clubhouse there and having number 22 and my name on the back of it is something something I'll never forget. Um, yeah. And then going out, going out that day, I was—I mean, I was starting that day. Um, I think Benji had played a bunch of games in a row, and he needed a day off. And I started that day, caught Z, and ended up catching uh, seven innings. I think maybe got a hit, and uh, I think we ended up winning the game. But um, but that's something that that I'll never forget: was walking in that clubhouse, seeing that jersey hanging in that locker. Eli, he was my favorite player, too, and uh, now you're going to get to tell your whole family about, you know, uh, uh, a little bit down the road later this year that uh, the Giants are retiring your number. How about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, but but I, think, I, I don't know that I should have had the opportunity to wear that number. I think it should have been done, you know, done a long time ago, but, but I'm glad that, that, the, that the team's doing that, and uh, it's uh, well-deserved. You said you were a Giants fan when you were young in Mississippi. How are you rooting for the Giants out there? How did that come together? It, it was a well. It was a it was a Will Clark thing. You know that was the team he yeah. was playing for, and, and I was a big uh, I was a big Will Clark fan, and and um, you know just the way he played and when he way he went about his business, the energy he brought on the field, you know was um, was something fun to watch, and I, I and I just kind of carried over to the to the other players, uh, other players on the team. And uh, it was a fun team to watch. Let's stick with that game that you were just describing for a second because it is your first big league game in four years. So what are your emotions as you get out on the field? You know, that was that was the thing I told myself as soon as I, you know, got out there and, you know, went and warmed Z up in the, in the bullpen and, and then um, bottom half of the inning went out there behind the plate. And that's that's I told myself then, you know, um, you know, I belong here, and, and, um, and that's the way I'm going to go about it is, uh, is know, know that I do belong and, and, and believe in myself enough to, to go out there and, and just let it all hang out and, and, and play like I know how, how I can play. So that day that you had been next to A-Rod and Jeter, that, that day is in your mind four years later when you got the Giants uniform on. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt because, I, you know, I – like I said before, I, I, you know, I felt like I didn't belong being with those guys. I'd watched. I mean, those guys at that time, you know, that was that they were the team to beat. Um, and watching those guys win championships and, and playing on TV and um, you know all the success that they had in that you know storied stadium and with fifty-five thousand people, you know, not not feeling like you know you're good enough or or you know that you belong in that situation at that time. Um, uh, I remember that and, and took that out on the field, 
that day in Seattle, you know, saying that I, I do belong and, and um, that I, I'd put in just as much hard work as those guys had. Maybe they had, you know, obviously they had more success earlier in their career, but um, knowing that I did, did belong in that, on that stage in that, in, that, in that moment. As you mentioned, you not only played that day, you got a hit, you drove in a run. Do you remember making any phone calls or connections later on that evening? Who'd you talk to? Um, I don't. I don't remember making. I mean, I'm sure I did make a few phone calls. I don't re- really remember who I talked to. Um, but I. That's. I think we we faced uh, King Felix that day, Felix Hernandez, and uh, I remember getting a base hit down the line. Um driving and run and um but other than that it was all it was all a blur because i think we left right after the game going back to san francisco and um like i said the one the one thing that stood out that day was uh was me walking in that clubhouse and seeing my seeing that jersey hanging with number 22 and my and white side on the back of it and uh <clears throat> that's one thing that you know one thing i'll never forget about that day a short time later, as you start to establish yourself with the group, uh, Matt Cain was asked about you, and I want to read a quote uh, that, that, that he had back at that time about you. He said, quote, he's been great. He's a guy who definitely takes advantage of his days in between when he's not catching and asking what guys threw in situations and what the pitches were so he isn't thrown into the fire the days he's starting. Even if he doesn't see a team, he's still figuring out how guys got them out He's definitely always learning. How did that make you feel to hear that from Matt Cain? Man, that was awesome. You know, he's uh, he's uh, I mean, he was cemented as a great great pitcher there. You know, already and and hearing those words from him, um, because that's one thing I always tried to do was uh, even though I wasn't catching, was um, you know, do my homework, know that know that I could be thrown in there at any at any time, and not going in there, not knowing, you know, not knowing the hitters or the situations or, or, uh, or anything like that. I mean, I was there and I was trying to, trying to stick, you know, and doing whatever I could to, uh, to stick around. So, and I hadn't been around, I mean, I hadn't been around the league and, and those guys for, for a long amount of time. Um, I mean, being in the American League before with, with, with Baltimore. I mean, even though I wasn't in the big leagues, I still knew some of those guys, you know, in AAA that, that had gotten called up or whatever. So I really didn't know – I really didn't know a lot of the guys that were that were in the league at that time. So um, doing my homework, um, looking over scouting reports, uh, talking to the – talking to the starter that wasn't starting that day, you know, just figuring out how they – how they like to work certain hitters and then get guys out. So I was just always trying to learn um, just so I could be prepared when I was, when my name was called and my name was written in the lineup. Well, and you were right on the front end of what ended up being, a, a, you know, obviously a, an incredible time for the Giants rotation. So the guys you got to know, you know, from, from Barry Zito, and, and we know about the big game that we'll talk about in a little bit with Jonathan Sanchez and, it ends up being Matt Cain and Tim Lincecum and, and Madison Bumgarner. 
What do you remember about those interactions in trying to learn about those guys at a time when their careers are just really blossoming? Right. You know, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun being a part of that. Um, I mean, I mean, you could say it's one of the best, best rotations in, in, in baseball there for, for a pretty good while, you know, um, even though each guy didn't stick around for that long, um, there was another guy to step in, you know, when Bum stepped in after, after a couple guys left. And, um, but just being around those guys and, and them kind of pushing one another. Um, that's what I, like I was talking about Sanchi the other day with, with Amy G. She, I mean, you got that, you got those four or five guys and, and you don't want to be the guy to, to let the team down when, you know, when your number's called. Um, you got you got Kaner and Timmy and Z and, and Bum, you know. Um, that's a pretty stout lineup when you're looking at four or five starters. <laughs> so uh, so a team coming in, you know, they they know they got their work cut out for them when, when they're facing that when they're facing those four or five guys, and um, just not they're not being a letdown, you know, from. Uh, from each guy. I mean, each guy was, was pushing one another, I think, um, with a little friendly competition between between themselves. And, um, you know, it was a lot of fun to be a part of. Let's go to July 10th of that year. You've now established yourself on the team as, as the backup catcher, but Benji Molina is supposed to start that day like usual, but he gets a call to be with his wife. She's about to have a baby. Uh, at that point, I think you had started about eight or nine games with the team. Um, but, but in this case, Benji gets that call with the family. You're thrown in. Do you remember the first part of that day, just in finding out? Uh, you know, Boach was always good about the, 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 you know, the bench guys or the guys that didn't play every day. He was always good about, you know, giving, giving the guy a heads up. He would always give me a heads up the night before. Like, all right, why do you got it tomorrow, you know? Uh, Benji's got a day off. You know, you, you're going to be back there tomorrow. Whether it be a day game after a night game where he just needs a day off or or maybe I lined up better or, or whatever whatever the case was, he would always give – he was always good about giving the guy a heads up, you know, that he would play the next day. So, so I was going in not expecting, you know, he didn't tell me the night before, so I was not really expecting to play that day, just being, you know, just always being ready. You know, if I were in there and just going, I got to the clubhouse and saw that I was in there. And so just went about my business as I would any other day. You know, I was starting. And it became a special day. As you get settled in behind the dish and the game gets going, immediately what kind of stuff are you seeing from Jonathan Sanchez? Um, um, you know, nasty. Ball was coming out of his hand good. He had been sent. <laughs> He had been sent to the bullpen, I guess, um, before that. You know, he'd, he had struggled. I think he'd struggled uh, pretty much, I guess, from spring training until that until that point, you know. Being sent to the bullpen. Um, obviously, arm was fresh. Um, just coming out of the bullpen, being his first start out of the bullpen. Um, and the ball was, you know, ball was jumping out of his hand. Um but his stuff was always nasty. He always had good stuff. It was a, it was more of a, 
kind of a trying to harness just kind of kind of reel that stuff in and, and being able to pitch with it other than just out there throwing, you know. And um I think him gaining confidence in a uh in a change up that he had was uh, was one of the biggest things because I mean he did get behind in the count a lot, you know. And um and when he did get behind in the count he would I mean he would go back to his fastball. So him gaining confidence in that changeup, I think, was one of the things that kind of allowed him to take that next step in becoming a, you know, a better, a better pitcher, rather than a guy out there with just really good stuff and, and just throwing, you know, relying on his stuff. He, he he started, you know, that allowed him to pitch a little bit more where he could throw his off-speed stuff behind in the count, and um, him gaining confidence in that changeup allowed him to do that. You guys jumped out to a four nothing lead in the second inning too. So was it was it easy with that good stuff and the control that he had to just kind of find a groove because he also knew now now he's got uh, he's got some run support to work with. Right. Yeah. But I mean, funny thing was, I really didn't even realize that he had a no hit or he had a perfect game until the seventh or eighth, I think, until the air. But I didn't really realize yep. that he had a no hitter going. Um, until that point, until that error, because I was, um, I don't know, I guess I was so locked in back there behind the plate calling the game. Game was flowing good, you know, so um, didn't really think anything else about it other than we were getting outs, you know. And um, I, after the error, I had to look over to the dugout to the boats to get the uh, like the running game signs, you know, the throw over, the pitch out, the slide step, whatever. Um, and at that point, that was the first time I I looked over to the dugout, and that's when I realized I was like, oh, well, we got something going on here, you know. Um, right. <laughs> like there's a – like we got – no, they don't have any hit. I looked up the school board, they don't have any hits. So so we got a no-hitter right. going. <laughs> and, uh, and then things <laughs> – and then things started kind of running through my mind at that point, you know. Um, it kind of, kind of switched focus and 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 thinking that all right, well, we got a no hitter, we got to, you know, we got to keep that intact now. So um, that was kind of the funny thing about that is is just not even realizing that that we did have a no hitter going at that time. Okay, quick pause to thank our sponsor, T-Mobile. It's never been more important to stay connected. And T-Mobile has taken steps to support customers along with frontline workers nationwide during these uncertain times. They've been amazing. T-Mobile responded to customer needs by increasing network capacity, lifting smartphone data caps, and increasing data allowances for schools and students in the Empower Ed program. They've also committed to donate $2.5 million to over 100 local schools and Boys and Girls Club of America, which provides childcare for our nation's first responders and healthcare workers, meals for families in need, and more. T-Mobile is committed to supporting customers, communities, and thanking frontline workers across the nation. Visit T-Mobile.com for more information. And now back to Inside Giant Moments. That's amazing. So sixth inning, seventh inning, this hasn't even crossed your mind yet. Not, no, not really, because, I, I mean, I guess I was just, you know, focused and locked in on, you know, being out there for Johnny and, and calling a good game. But, uh, yeah, that happens That happens sometimes, you know. Uh, you just get – you just kind of get locked in back there behind the plate and you're focused and, and everything's flowing and 
you know, you put it down and he throws it and, you know, get another out. All right, here we go again, you know. Um, so that's that's kind of how that game, kind of how that game flowed. Once you realize what's going on, what's the role of the catcher in a moment like that? I mean, beyond the obvious, are you also now starting to think about kind of massaging the emotions that that Jonathan is probably feeling? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I think he said that nobody talked to him, you know, after after the sixth or seventh <laughs> inning, like he was sitting down there on the end of the dugout by himself. And and I did realize that after, you know, after the air and we came back in after that inning, he was down there by himself on the end, and nobody nobody had really said anything to him. I think he I think he was supposed to be on a pitch count that day, like a 60, 70, 70 pitch pitch count because he was coming out of the bullpen, you know, and they and. Um, you know, Rags would come up, come up and ask me, you know, like, how is he? And I was, you know, he's good, but I don't think he, I don't, I don't remember him coming up to me and asking him. He's obviously, you know, got a no hitter. He's gonna let him go. But, um, you know, that's kind of how, that's kind of how that went. But it was the, uh, didn't really change, change the way I called the game. I don't think after, after that, you know, I realized that we had a no hitter. But one thing I I probably would have changed about that was was the play in the in the ninth inning the the two out Edgar Gonzalez at bat I think um, and and Rags kind of asked me after the game it was either after the game or the next day uh, you know what was I what was I thinking but uh, it was uh, the situation was three three one three one count to Edgar Gonzalez. Uh, with one out in the ninth, and um, Johnny got behind him, it was three-one count, and I put down, you know, I put down fastball down and away. So I set up. He leaves it up out over the plate. Edgar hits the ball to, to deep center. Rowe goes up, makes a, you know, heck of a catch at the wall. Robs a home run, brings it back. Everybody's going crazy. Then next guy Cabrera strikes out, game's over. But but Rags at some point came up to me and asked me what like what what are we what are we doing right there three one three one two uh one out in the ninth you know we got a no hitter going you're gonna throw a fastball three one and I didn't really think about it at the time you know um, I mean the game was at hand you know we were winning I don't know nine to one or, or something like that and. uh Eight nothing, I, really I think. think. Eight nothing was the final score. Okay, eight nothing. But I really didn't think about it at the time. Yeah, but I probably would have called a called a different. You know, I probably would have called a different pitch, three one, and um, with with two outs left to go, and with with uh, with a no hitter on the line, um, then a fastball. You know, middle of the plate. <laughs> you know what's amazing is if we go backward in the game. It's seven nothing by the fifth inning, and I no- normally, especially if you didn't even realize it was a no hitter, normally when a game is seven nothing, you're probably telling the pitcher, you know, just 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 throw strikes, and uh, you, you got right. a defense behind you. We've got the game in hand, and 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 normally that would lend itself to a few guys here and there getting a hit. Right, right, yeah. You fall behind a guy, you give him a fastball, you give him a cookie to hit, you know, he, you know, gets a base hit. But he, I think he was. I mean, he had his stuff going, you know, and he was rolling. And he was had that nasty slider going, and um, 
I don't remember how many guys he struck out, but uh, but it seemed like he had a few strikeouts, you know, to go along with it. So um, everything was flowing and everything was going that day. Yeah, he had 11 strikeouts, by the way. So yeah, he yeah. Uh, he definitely had that side of it going. Yeah, I you know you mentioned the the error by Juan Uribe a couple of times, and and so maybe you didn't even realize what had happened until after it had happened but collectively as a team how, how did that feel when that error happens because it's got to be a little a little deflating well the funny thing about it was i think he was he was a defensive replacement for pablo i think pablo started <laughs> yes, the game <laughs> and, and uribe came in for his defense you know because he had a perfect game going um and uh, Juan came in there. It was a tough play. Um, I think a ball, it was like a two or three hopper to, to, to Uribe, and he was coming in. And uh, I think the ball hit the lip of the grass and, and you know, kind of came up on him. Would have been a tough play to make. On the ground, Uribe off his chest, and it'll be a base runner. It'll be an error. Official score very quickly. Made the call. It's an error. And Whiteside going to come out. And I like this. You know, Eli Whiteside, the catcher with not a lot of big league experience, has done a great job behind the dish. And he has hooked up well with Sanchez tonight. Came out immediately to calm Sanchez down, get his focus back. For the first time tonight, with one out here in the eighth, Sanchez is going to work out the stretch. But they did give him an error, you know, and that kind of. I mean, at the time, I didn't, I didn't really realize it, but um, you know, kind of, you know, if he gets a hit, you know, kind of air comes, kind of comes out of the ballpark a little bit, I guess. But um, you know, we still had the, still had the no hitter going, um, even though the the perfect game was, the perfect game was lost. You already mentioned the the near miss there with with Edgar Edgar Gonzalez. Uh, what else is going on between you and Jonathan in the ninth inning? Was there a conversation before you guys went out to the field? Was there anything during that inning? No, no, nothing. I, I mean, I didn't. He was on. I always sat kind of down there by the bat rack where uh, where Rags was at, and and Johnny. He always sat at the the, the other other end down there, uh, going down the tunnel. So I I didn't. I'd never said anything to him um, before going out out in the ninth and I was just you know after I did realize we had a no hitter going I I was just counting outs after that you know counting down outs you know that's five outs four outs three outs two outs um you know uh my my you know stomach kind of dropped after I saw the ball come off the bat um of Edgar's and I was thinking you know that's a I mean, there goes the home. There goes the uh, no hitter and the shutout right there, with uh, with a home run. But but Rowe went up, and made a great catch on the wall, and uh, struck out Cabrera to end the game. Uh, and that's kind of how it ended up. But I didn't I didn't go out. We didn't say one word to one another going out for the night. When you squeeze strike three on Cabrera, what did that moment feel like? Man, it was awesome. Uh, you know, a lot of guys have, have 
caught a lot of games in the big leagues and played a long time in the big leagues and and, and never caught a no hitter. You know, guys played ten, twelve, fifteen years in the big leagues that that, that were never behind the plate for a for a no hitter, and and you know, I was able to you know be back there, and 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 that happened for for Johnny and 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 the guys and the team, and you know, it was uh, something I'll never forget. Whiteside drops the sign. Sanchez says yes. The 2-2 pitch and a curveball struck him out looking. A no-hitter for Jonathan Sanchez. And the Giants race out onto the field to jump on the back of 26-year-old Jonathan Sanchez, who has become the first Giants pitcher in 33 years to pitch a no-hitter. I caught a couple in the minor leagues, but uh, being there in the ballpark and everybody kind of be, being behind him and the guys, and um, he was—I mean, he—it it was awesome for him, you know, too, just um, because he, he had struggled, um, and I think that was, uh, you know, give him give him some confidence to, to to believe in himself and believe in his stuff and know that know that he belonged out there on the mound and. And, and belonged in that rotation rotation as a as a starting pitcher. It's interesting that you had mentioned earlier in the conversation about your experience with the Orioles and feeling like you didn't belong and, and sort of promising yourself that you wouldn't do that again. And then and then you have this moment and you had made a comment I think right after it that uh, you were an incredibly unlikely piece of of this historical moment and, and sort of again I, I don't know if you were feeling that way or not but but feeling like wow you know can't really believe that 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 you ended up being a part of this so so did you did you go through some of those emotions again um yeah I think so um I think at the time I hadn't I hadn't really caught that many games in the big leagues um and then to, to catch a no hit you know to, just to just to make it back to the big leagues and then and be there and and um you know being back there behind the plate for that uh, for that moment and uh you know just kind of kind of made it all worth it you know um being able to get back to the big leagues and and trying to uh you know become a big leaguer i mean it's it's one thing to to, to be in the big leagues, that, but to, to be a big leaguer is, a, you know, is a, is a different thing. And, and, um, just knowing that, you know, kind of knowing that I belong there and, and, um, being part of that team was, was awesome. They made me feel, you know, made me feel right at home and, and feel like I belonged. And, um, you know, that was something special to, uh, to accomplish with, with all those guys. It's the first Giants no-hitter in 33 years. 1976 had been the, uh, the the last one before that. W- were you aware of that that day? Not, no, I wasn't at the time. But um, you know, obviously the next day it, it was uh, it was uh, it was a buzz around. You know that, that it, it had been a while since since the, since the Giant had thrown a no-hitter. Um, I think it was the count before that, right, Montefusco. Was uh, was the one before that that it's the one um, a while back, but um, no, did not did not realize it at the time. Eli, let's jump to the very next month. 
your first major league home run is a grand slam in Houston. And it was a no-doubter. <laughs> it looked like you knew it right away. Second it hit the bat. The middle infield double play depth. Moeller will be pitching for the ground ball here. Here it comes. Fastball. There's a long high drive. Deep to left field. Headed for the Crawford boxes. Goodbye. A grand slam for Eli Whiteside. He has cleared off the bases. And suddenly a 3-3 game has become 7-3 Giants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I did. Um, that was a that was a lot of frustration coming out. I think um, because I there had been there had been times before that um, situations and games before that I had been in. You know, the the couple weeks before where I I had an opportunity to to help the team. You know, help the team. Um, you know, put some runs on the board with with me being up in situations, maybe you know, with runners in scoring position or runners in scoring position, two outs, and you know, I didn't, I kind of failed and and didn't didn't get the job done, you know, and, and it it kind of come to a point to where I was getting frustrated um, with myself, not being able to, um, not being able to help the team out, you know, on the offensive side. And um, I think before, let's see that moment. I don't. I can't remember if there was there were one or two outs, but I know Renneria was hitting in front of me, and they had walked. It was second, third, and they had walked him to get to me, and um, they made a mound visit, and it was a first pitch. You know, first pitch of the at bat, and I I jumped on it. And um, you know, put a good swing on it, and and I did know from as you know, as soon as it as soon as it left the bat, I knew it was a knew it was a homer, and that was just I think I think that was a lot of frustration just just coming out from me um, from the the couple weeks before um, not being able to uh, help the team out in in a, in a moment like that. I think we were I think we we might have been we were either tied. Or down a run or two, and that that put us ahead. I think it was the sixth or seventh inning, and uh, that put us ahead. We ended up winning that game. So I was just I was just happy that I was able to contribute um, to the team offensively in in that moment, uh, just because I had I I felt like I let the team down. You know, the, the, the times before I'd played the you know couple weeks or whatever, and that previous couple of weeks um didn't get the job done and watching the highlight i don't know if you'll remember this but it, it looked like you said something to tim flannery when you rounded third do you have any recollection of of, of that moment and what you said i think it was probably about damn time is probably what i said <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh yeah. I, that's, I'm, I'm gonna say that's probably what i said um <laughs> Because it, you know, it, it had been a long time coming. Like I said before, uh, you know, being in a situation, not being able to get the job done. But um, that was, I guess, that was me uh, letting him know that that it was it was about time that I that I kind of stepped up, did something offensively. <laughs> uh, I mean, on a personal level, it's a it's a banner year because you establish yourself 
as a big leaguer, and the, and the following year, for the first time in your career, you make a team coming out of spring training. You become Sanchez's personal catcher for a good portion of the year. What, what, what did that feel like, and what went into that connection with him? Um, you know, making that team out of spring was, um, you know, something I had never done. So I was, you know, I was, I was proud of that. Um, just because I'd put in so much, you know, it'd been a long road. And I know, I know a lot of guys, a lot of guys are in similar situations, you know, but for me to put in a lot of work and, and, uh, you know, stick, stick with it. And then come into camp and, and, um, you know, something to prove and, and being able to make that team and, and being on that flight to, you know, flight to San Francisco or, or that, that first flight to, uh, wherever we, wherever we opened up and, and being on that, being on the field for the, you know, for opening day was, uh, was something pretty special. And then, um, you know, just having that relationship with Johnny and being able to be back there for him, you know, most of his starts that year was, um, I don't know. We just kind of had, we had a pretty good relationship. Um, I think he, he, I think he trusted me, you know, and um, where he could just go out there and, and, and throw the ball, you know, uh, he trusted me enough to, to where I was able to call a game and whatever I put down, he threw and I just kind of took, took that part away from him. Um, just being able to go out there and, and, and concentrate on executing the pitch. We all know what this year ended up uh, being for the organization uh, and, and, we remember, of course, Benji Molina starting the year, but then here comes Buster Posey uh, a, a certain number of games in. So w- what were your emotions as you watched that happening at your position with Molina getting traded and Buster arriving? You know, I just felt like they had that much confidence in, in Buster and, and what he was doing and, and what he was showing down there in the minor leagues. And uh, it was um, – you know, it was fun to watch. Fun to watch him, you know, begin his begin his career, um, and then obviously us, you know, carrying that all the way into the playoffs and through the playoffs and into the World Series and and um, being on being on it or being a part of something like that was uh, something that I never thought that I would be a part of. You know, uh, coming from where I came from to you know, grinding it out in the minor leagues for those five or six years after I'd, you know, gotten called up. Uh, it was uh, it was just pretty pretty awesome and something pretty special to be a part of. Yeah, I wonder if there was a moment of reflection at all. I mean, I'm sure it started out with jumping all over each other, but uh, you were with the team the, the whole year. I, you didn't get into any games. Buster took all the duties there in the in the postseason, but – but you're on the team the whole way. You go through that run. Brian Wilson strikes out Nelson Cruz, and and bang, you've gone from a guy who, as you put it, grinded it out to now getting a World Series ring. When you're reflecting on that, what what is what comes to mind? You know, it just makes it all worth it. Uh, just to be a part of something like that, to to accomplish something like that with the group of guys that that we had. Um, that's what you know that's what team is all about i think um 
going into it from the beginning, especially a, a baseball season as long as it is, going into it with that specific goal and then, you know, going through a whole a whole spring training, a whole big league season, you know, uh, three rounds of playoffs and the, the World Series and and just I think being a part of it or being on a team and being a part of something like that that you set out for at the beginning, the first day of spring training, that's, I mean, that's your goal is, is to win the World Series. And that's, I mean, that's 30 teams goal when they start, when they start out um, spring training first day is to win the World Series and to be a part of a team and to be a part of a group of guys that, you know, nobody gave us, a, <laughs> nobody gave us a chance, you know, um, but to be, but but we all believed in that in that clubhouse, you know, um, and to be a part of something like that, and to to stick, I mean, to be there the whole year, and to see the ups and downs, and you know, the highs and lows, and um, that's something pretty special to be a part of. By the way, what kind of relationship developed between you and Buster throughout that year? Oh, good relationship. Uh, we, you know, we just help each other out. I think, uh, um, you know, him being a, a, a rookie guy coming up, I, I mean, I don't I don't really remember sitting down and, and saying, okay, do this in this certain situation or doing that. I Just trying to, you know, uh, be an example. Um, and, um, I mean, that's kind of how I always went about it was, you know, play the game the right way and, um, and kind of lead by example. And, and but Buster, he was, um, you know, he was his own guy. And he was, um, he he had a pretty good idea about what he was doing, obviously. Um, <laughs> and him coming in there and, and just taking the, you know, taking the game by storm and 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 being the player that he is and has been was uh, was fun to watch. You know, he 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 never lacked any confidence. Um, and you could tell that with the way he the way he went about his business. You hold this role into into 2011 as well, and, and obviously it grows because of the 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 Buster injury. And then you're still with the team, kind of back and forth uh, in in 2012, and and therefore uh, a role once again on another team that wins a World Series. So, what did that year mean to you? Um, that was that was the that it was tough to begin with, just because um, didn't break camp with the team. You know, uh, Hector made the team out of spring training. Uh, went back to Fresno, and was kind of uh, I got caught up a couple of times. You know, kind of back and forth um, that year, um, and then uh, but being there for the whole playoffs. You know, going I was there for you know all of September. And then being there for the uh, for all the playoffs, just just as a guy, if you know something were to happen, or or if they wanted to change, make a roster change, um, throughout the throughout the playoffs, I was there, and and um, being around the team, being around the guys, and and being able to accomplish that was uh, I don't know, it was crazy, um, you know, same same kind of deal, not. Not really many people giving giving us a chance going in with though going in playing the playing the Tigers with the with the with the offense they had you know that year, um, 
and then us just being able to to sweep those guys was was something pretty incredible, and I don't think anybody saw that coming. Two rings, man. I mean, after after eight years of almost exclusively working your way around minor league baseball, you end up with two championship rings. It's um, it's pretty special. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. It's a, I mean, it's a crazy game, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, you stick you you stick around and stick with it long enough. Uh, I think you play the game the right way and, and go about your business the right way. I think good things will good things will happen, and um, and they 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 have and, and did for me. Eli, I wonder how you'd sum it all up. I know you're you're still very much involved with the organization as uh, as the you know, bullpen catcher, but you know through all the times the, the the minors to the majors to the playoffs to the rings, how do you sum up? the experience you've had with the organization? I uh, just just you know, kinda unbelievable. Uh just the way I was treated when I when I got there. Um to the to the way I was treated, you know, throughout, you know, my time in Fresno, my time with the Giants in the big leagues. Um and now, you know, coaching it's it's been, you know, first class from the get go. Um and that that kind of starts from the top from the top down, you know, uh, the way the, tra- the the way the players are treated, um, it's um, kind of second to none of, of of the places that I've been. Um, I didn't really know any different when I was in Baltimore, but um, got to got to the Giants organization, and um, you can really tell that that they, I mean they they put money in the in the in the minor league system, they want to, you know, they treat guys down there like they're like they're men, and and they expect you to uh, expect you to go out there and work. And um, but just the way everybody's treated, um, front office, uh, coaching staff, uh, the way I was treated was was uh, was awesome. Um, uh, but you know first class organization all the way all the way through and uh I just really enjoyed my time as a player and and now um and now coaching is is just a lot of a lot of great people and and uh couldn't be happier to be a part of a couple of world series uh championship teams well those teams the no hitter your grand slam really fun to uh to reflect on all of those and hear really the inside story about them. So, Eli, really, really thankful for your time. Thanks so much for doing it. You got it, man. No problem. Thanks so much for listening to Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review and share the podcast with your friends and family. For more exclusive conversations, subscribe to the Inside Giant Moments podcast, presented by T-Mobile, now. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 